Hello, how you doing, Ed? I'm very impressed by the way you got through the word capitulation first time there. That was good. Well, when we talk about Liverpool and capitulation, they go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Um, I have to say, I, I, I think I might be supporting Liverpool tonight against Atletico Madrid just as practice. Because like it's it's so antithetical that I feel like I need I need a bit of a warm up. Well, I have the bleach on hand, so I'm going to scrub myself clean afterwards. As Shakespeare said, "Misery makes for strange bedfellows." How you doing, Ed? Did you enjoy the Spurs game? Certainly did. Yeah. Well, eventually. I mean, the first forty-five was pretty awful, wasn't it? It was very ne- dull. Neither of them could string a, a couple of passes together. United didn't look like they were going to create anything. Um, a couple of half chances for Berbatov, who who uh, who played well up there on his own. I thought. With, with gigs in support, much like as against Bolton Wanderers a, a month or so ago, but just didn't have his shooting boots on. And then and then after the break, uh, United just seemed a bit more purposeful. Um, got a couple of penalties, both nailed on, no doubt about it. Obviously a bit of fortune in that, and uh, some shocking defending from Spurs, and a, a wonderful goal from Nani from uh, Federico Macheda's pretty astute pass, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. A, a stunning finish. Um, I'm glad that it was you that brought up the fact that Berbatov played well because I feel like a broken record. He he did his shooting was pretty dreadful, but he was instrumental in in a lot of the things that United did right. It was by no means a vintage performance. Three one. I'm in mean, a kind of a fair reflection, I guess, but only realistically, only a fl- fair reflection of you know the last ten minutes. One nil would have been a kind of much more accurate reflection of how the game went. Ryan Giggs, man, that just. Pure class, pure professionalism. How do you do that under that much pressure? Just step up. Yep, never scored, never taken a penalty in the league for United before. Just going to take an absolutely crucial one because we were not looking like we were going to make necessarily break the deadlock. And he took it perfectly. And twice the keeper went the right way. Twice it was right in the corner. That's 20 years in the first team, I guess. He's got a cool head on his shoulders. Although I have seen him miss penalties before. I mean, he obviously he scored one against Chelsea in the 2008 Champions League final. But I believe if memory serves me correctly he missed one in the Carling Cup tie I think it was against Southampton where United were beaten many many years ago this had been in the 90s so I mean you know he's he's obviously barely ever taken any just because we've had so many good penalty takers over the years Erwin, Cantona uh, more recently obviously Rooney's taken a few this this season and uh, Ronaldo before him you did a very similar thing uh, to what Giggs did actually when he was interviewed about it and he said you know there's always been good penalty takers here in my time at the club Brucey and then Eric and then he kind of forgot who was between Eric and and then he went and obviously later Cristiano and Wayne but there's like there's isn't there like a good 10 years there where there's someone else taking the penalties Rude took the penalties didn't he Rude Rude took some penalties yeah I can't remember who else took some but there you go Dennis Owen I guess Owen took plenty yeah and obviously Steve Bruce scored about 57 penalties one season didn't he he did we got a lot of penalties that season unusual number you might say unusual number yeah two two penalties United came out with a win I I think it was a deserved win in the end the the only frustrating thing that came out of that game was obviously United's lack of of faith in themselves I think so 1-0 up they really really sat back and just invited some Spurs pressure yeah and Michael Carrick's uh, defending for, for Ledley King's header was woeful but we've said that a few times recently about Carrick's defending yeah although Ledley King did have his I mean really he had his shoulder his, his um, elbow locked right over Carrick's shoulder so I don't know how he would have got any more height or any more power on his leap to be honest because I think it was a fairly blatant foul actually 
Yeah. Um, uh, Nanny's finish worth talking about. Fantastic finish. Uh, all round good performance from him, despite the fact that clearly he was not in the best of health, and nor was Patrice. What did they put in RT at half time? Yeah, right. Ever hurled all over the Old Trafford pitch just after the half time break. And after that, he really didn't run very much, so a couple of balls, and he, he seemed to get some recovery, something from somewhere and obviously he uh, he won United the first penalty with a driving run into the box and your original point, Nani's finish, uh, just fantastic the confidence to do that at such a crucial stage as, as Ferguson said afterwards. Um, and I have to say, he wasn't great for the first half hour though, he was quite frustrating, gave away the ball a couple of times, didn't look like he was concentrating when left let one ball fly under his foot a um, couple of misplaced passes, a couple of kind of old Nani style things but came into it eventually and obviously you know scoring that crucial goal was one united the game effectively i'm really looking forward to our end of season roundup conversation about nanny um because i think you've just essentially encapsulated it in a one minute spell just a very very confusing player nanny but we'll talk more about that at the end of the season uh, which hopefully will be triumphant despite the fact that uh, that victory over spurs seemed a little hollow when stoke just did not turn up uh, at Stamford Bridge the next day. And I, I don't want to be a cynic about this, but I'm going to be a cynic about this. I, I bet they play like it's their cup final on the last day of the season. Tony Pulis is a United fan, though, so uh, he's not serving the old cause well. No, they, they were so pathetic. They were so pathetic. I haven't seen a performance as pathetic as that since, well, Aston Villa went to Stamford Bridge a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yes, hopefully we'll get a slightly less pathetic performance by our dear colleagues, you know, our long-standing partners in, in all things football, you know, those people that we wish them well every week, not just this one particular week when it serves our interests. Uh, Rafa Benitez's fine bunch of Footballers and gentlemen at Liverpool Football Club. Hold on, I'm just going to do a Patrice Evra on the pitch at Old Trafford. The one word you need to add into that is Liverpool Reserves Football Club. Uh, that after tonight, there's not a chance that Benitez will play a full side. I mean, he did actually three days after a Europa League game play a full side against Manchester United in March. So he could do it. And uh, the the excuse that will be tired or, or whatever is, is uh, nonsensical but he'll have little incentive to do it I'm afraid on Sunday because Everton plays Stoke Everton need to win to put the pressure on uh, Liverpool for that in the seventh place in the final Europa League spot and obviously City play Spurs and those two results could really go against United I mean if we take this scenario Spurs win at City Everton draw at Stoke and uh, Liverpool are nailed on for a Europa League spot next season and can't qualify for the Champions League they'll then have and say they win tonight beat Atletico Madrid they'll have zero incentive whatsoever to put any kind of side out against United at all. Against Chelsea. On the other hand, if Everton win and the uh, City-Tottenham game is a draw, suddenly Liverpool have got absolutely everything to play for and, and they would kind of have to put their best side because, you know, not entirely impossible for them to even miraculously sneak into fourth place. Although justice, not footballing justice may not be served by that. I, I, I certainly... Uh, hope that is what comes to pass yeah well we, we we need a scenario where Liverpool desperately need to win I mean even then 
they they might not be good enough. Uh, clearly, with less rest and Chelsea have had a whole week to prepare for it and in flying confident mood and and all of that. So who knows? But uh, it would be a real shame with this. Uh, obviously, the title's decided over thirty eight games, but it would leave a pretty bitter taste in everyone's mouth, I think, if if uh, Benitez left out uh, all his key men and and they just capitulated to Chelsea. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I only wouldn't leave a bitter taste in my mouth at all because if Manchester United win the Premiership this season it will uh, obviously I'd love that to happen that would be fantastic but it will be you know us finishing second in the league is probably a fair reflection of, of, of our own performance on the pitch this season and now as would winning it be potentially as well because we've shown a lot of character and at times a tremendous amount of potential and and certainly like Rooney's performances obviously have been stunning and considering the state of our defence around Christmas time it's been an amazing season but if Liverpool don't beat Chelsea and Chelsea go on to win well actually it's not because Liverpool played a reserve side against Chelsea that, that they've ended up winning the league it's because they've been better than us over the course of the season I don't think you could make a particularly strong argument against that but hopefully you're not going to have to because Liverpool will get even a draw. I mean, it's a very realistic possibility that Liverpool could get a draw against Chelsea, which then leaves it in our hands as we go and play Sunderland away, which um, when I was looking at the three fixtures left with the Tottenham game and the Sunderland game forthcoming and everyone was talking about the Tottenham game, I was thinking, I think that's probably a bit of an easier three points than away at Sunderland. Yeah, I, Sunderland are in half-decent form. Um, they've certainly come into better form than they were in during the winter, um, where at one stage it looked like Bruce might be in some trouble. But they've, they've got a, a, a pretty good record at, at uh, the Stadium of Light um, in recent times. So, yeah, and obviously Darren Bent scored a lot of goal, goals this season. He'll be a real threat. It's a tough fixture for sure, but will United take their eye off the ball? I mean, if they do take their eye off the ball, say say it did play out as a draw at Liverpool v Chelsea and it's in our hands and we go out and perform like we did against Blackburn and you know don't take full advantage, then we don't deserve anything for sure. Yeah, um, I can't see United taking their eye off the ball. Obviously, Chelsea win at Anfield, then that could have a pretty deflatory effect on United's players. I mean, basically, you don't, you don't expect Chelsea to drop any points at home to Wigan on the final day. I mean, we've been Wigan five nil twice this season, so I, I think it's all it's all on that game at Anfield. Chelsea draw or Liverpool win, and it's all up for play. And I think United will will be professional enough to go to Sunderland and win. It's uh, it's. I kind of I'm I'm trying not to be too optimistic, um, which goes against my naturally optimistic nature. But it's a bit exciting, isn't it? It's a bit exciting this stage of the season where it's all to play for, and and you know we're definitely in with a shout. I just want to give a couple of uh, what I believe in the business are called shout outs to a couple of listeners that I've got in touch. Uh, Z Indefatigable on uh, on he posted a couple of comments always seems pleased when a new episode of Rankcast goes up so thank you very much much appreciated and also a shout out to Happy Hero who uh, at replied me at, at UTD Rankcast on uh, Twitter the other day saying um he, he it, this was after we'd basically completely and utterly written on written the season off 2 weeks ago um and he he listened to that after the uh things had switched round after the city game and and Chelsea's game and he he, he said not to sound like mystic meg but I'm predicting this week's podcast will be a bit more upbeat and he was right about that it certainly was yep uh, and uh, and with good reason yes 
And one one thing that um, it's going to be hard to be upbeat about, I think, is this summer's transfer market. You're such a pro, Ed. You're such a pro. You can you can segue any two things together. I'm I'm convinced of it. I'm going to start deliberately trying to construct the uh, rank cast agenda so that the two things can't be segued into each other. But you'll find a way. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really underwhelming summer. I think one of the one of the things is though. It, it, Obviously, we could sign some some quality, um, but they're likely to be players that we don't know who they are, or certainly don't know them well. Unless, what what do you think the chances are of some additional debt being used to spend big? Luka Modric, all the paper talk is about today. Well, I, on the face of it, if if the Glazers' business plan, uh, as set out in two thousand five, was. Uh, on the table, we had £25 million a season to spend on transfers. About £20 million was spent last season. We've spent just under £20 million this season already on Javier Hernandez and Chris Smalling. So what's that? A net spend of just shy of £40 million in two years should be another £10 million plus the £80 million from Ronaldo. That gives me another £90 million of transfer money that could be spent. Now, of course, we know from the bond document that there simply isn't that kind of money. But there is a £75 million overdraft facility available. So it's pure debt. Uh, this is this is not money that's you know available normally. Everything has been taken out of the club's accounts by the Glazer family to pay down their pick debts. Um, and to pay themselves some nice, fat, juicy bonuses and management fees and dividends, I'm sure. So, yep, yeah, in, in theory, there is some money available and he could go and spend it. And you'd hope if uh, if he is going to spend big that he'd spend it on a creative midfielder as a first priority and then, I suppose, a goalkeeper and, and potentially another senior striker. And, and the, uh, the guys that come to mind, of course, Luka Modric, heavily linked in the press over the last couple of days with the United uh, move. I think that's uh, most press guys putting two and two together there obviously Ferguson praised Modric quite heavily in his programme notes on Saturday uh, so yeah uh, had a very fine season at Spurs obviously United have a long standing interest in David Silva from Valencia he'll be very expensive and it seems that Madrid have got their beady little eyes on him too even though they barely need an attacking midfielder with uh, just the small matter of uh, Kaká in their side. And and then obviously in the goalkeeping department, United have clearly been watching Manuel Neuer from Schalke and uh, Igor Akinfeev uh, from Seska Moscow. And there are a, a few other players through their hat into the ring. Obviously uh, Steve Mandana from uh, soon-to-be French champions Marseille saying he'd love to come to United and uh, Roberto Doni from uh, Roma was linked in the press recently. He's, uh, he's 30 and Brazilian and uh, hasn't got a chance of making the Brazilian side but um, Roma are broke so they're trying to flog him so some of those players may be all quite expensive and and, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that that will happen I think more likely is that uh, United will continue the transfer policy of buying young players who we haven't heard of and hope they come good Uh, it's the Rafa Benitez transfer route or the Arsene Wenger transfer route and uh, we know how successful that's been over the last five years yeah absolutely so um, it's it's probably not going to be too exciting a summer but is it going to be a terrifying summer are there rumors of real madrid trying to take away patrice evra which would be heartbreaking i i hope that doesn't happen and obviously they're not going to shut up about rooney uh even though i i, I just seems incredibly unlikely to me that rooney would go to madrid I don't think there's a chance of that happening. I, I, I'm sure they want him, for sure, because that's how they operate. Let's uh, 
let's see who's the best player at the moment. Yep, it's Rooney. We'll pick him. I mean, if you look at all their their signings, their world players of the years and European players of the years, and they they just go off and uh, snap them all up. But uh, I, I just can't see Rooney moving. Uh, he's he's happy where he is. Although one uh, scurrilous internet rumor this uh, this week said that Colleen Rooney is, is getting increasingly sophisticated tastes. Apparently, no longer happy with Asda. Uh, she likes to do shopping, and uh, Madrid would be uh, the perfect destination for her more European cosmopolitan taste than she might put her foot down. I, I kind of don't believe that either. Patrice Everett? Well, maybe. Um, Madrid do need a left-back. Uh, Marcello is uh, is in and out of form, and, and the the other option they have is uh, Arvelo Arbeloa from uh, the former Liverpool fullback. He plays a lot of right-back, but also plays on the left, and he's been pretty poor as well. So, yep, they're definitely in the market for a left-back. Would Everett go? Would United cash in? Well, if it was big enough, he is 29 now. United may well do give the finances uh, it would be a, a, a huge huge shame clearly clearly you know in the top three united players this season and he, he seems like he's happy at the club doesn't he yeah. i know i always thought he was happy at the club but it seems he can't step on the pitch without throwing up all over the place so maybe that's gonna count against us um now obviously patrice ever seems like the kind of player that has the, the, the kind of deep personal connection with the club that you don't get from everyone but he, he does seem like one of those types a bit of a badge kisser in a good way you know so uh talking of one of the top three players at the uh club let's let's uh have a little look at the rant awards which you have uh doled out on the site um I don't think we need to talk too much about player of the season because I think essentially the interesting category is player of the season other than Ryan Rooney. I, I think it comes down to two players. I think it comes down to Patrice Evra, fantastically consistent. I mean, he's missed one game at Blackburn and, and clearly he needed a rest by that point. Actually, he could have been given a rest a few games before that. Just been so, so consistent, uh, you know, solid. Even through our defensive injury crisis, he held it together. At one point, playing in a back three at Wolfsburg, uh, which United won that game. And then Darren Fletcher, who's who uh, was absolutely awesome in the first half of the season. Uh, clearly our best player at that point when uh, in fact you know Rooney's uh, goal scoring didn't really kick in until November when he went on that you know huge run of goal scoring and then uh, obviously Fletcher had a, a little bit of an injury was out of the side for a, a little while and that kind of disrupted his uh, season a little bit but I think he's been you know, hugely uh, influential for United and, and one of our three best players I, It's interesting that you've given an award later in this uh, article to the best new recruit um, which easily obviously goes to Antonio Valencia I would make a strong argument that he deserves to be in the top three in United's performance this season. I think Wayne Rooney's season has been hugely influenced by the presence of Valencia. I think his supply has been brilliant. He's uh, settled into the very top levels of football uh, quite impressively. He's gone slightly off the boil in the last month, maybe, but certainly no more so than Fletcher or indeed Ever, I think uh, I think he's 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 in with a shout. I might I might put him in slightly ahead of Darren Fletcher, much as it hurts me to say so. Totally agree. He's he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, I think his his running and his directness really contributed. I, I do I think you think you're you're right. He's gone off the boil a little bit over the last month. I don't know whether it's tiredness, having played a lot more games than he's used to. I mean, he he was barely outside for the first six months of the season, and and then they gave him a little bit of a break when Nani came back into into form didn't they in in uh, in sort of the late winter months uh, yeah really promising uh, can he kick on and score even more goals I think he's got five Premier League goals and nine assists which is a pretty good return for someone who's played very wide um, you know but could he contribute even more uh, I think that's what they'll be looking for him from next season 
and I, I think there's every chance that he can. You gave uh, best young player, not, not much debate about this, Johnny Evans. It's a pretty straightforward decision because it's really been a season where our young players have not been brilliant. I've been really disappointed, actually. I, I think we went into the season saying it's it's this is it's, we're going to get better. We haven't spent much money, but uh, we didn't need to because all these young players are going to come good. And I think Anderson's been very, very disappointing before he got injured. Very disappointing indeed. Obviously, Fabio's Mr. Glass. He's constantly injured. Raphael, ditto, a couple of serious injuries. We do hope that the, that first 40 minutes against Bayern Munich is, is what he'll become. Darren Gibson, I just don't buy. He's good enough. I mean, he, he buys into the hype sometimes, since he can shoot from 87 yards every time he gets the ball. And, and he's scored some fantastic goals. And in fact, his return's very good. What was it? Six six goals in the Premier League or something. If we can get him in the side more often, and he can be even more consistent with that, he might get 15 goals, and that's extremely valuable from midfield. But do I think his all-round game is good enough no and then Federico Machado a whole bunch of injuries uh, added to which uh, widespread reports that he had uh, something of an attitude problem and and really Evans is the only person who's shown any kind of consistency amongst that group yeah and and you kind of have no worries about Johnny Evans's long-term place in the side you know I think he's 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 likely to be a Manchester United player for quite some time to come. And he, he you know, it's not easy to grow into a Manchester. I, I, you know, I think we kind of we're so spoiled by the golden generation. You know, we're so spoiled by thinking that you can create a midfield four from your academy system to rival any midfield four that there's ever been anywhere in the world. Well, I guess three out of the four is really because when Nicky Butt played instead of Roy Keane, probably weren't. It probably wasn't one of the best midfields ever in the world. But w- when you have players like Giggs and Skull Beckham coming through the ranks, I think it creates an artificial expectation in a way because it's so hard. Sure, and, and United have struggled. Four in the last ten years, I, I can count. Wes Brown, Johnny Evans... John O'Shea and Darren Fletcher have made it out of the out of the academy and into the first team as as being a regular. Obviously, a lot of more have had a go, but really, it's only those four. It's a real challenge. But but there is a there is a bit of a marker here. So if you if you look at um, what Barcelona have done recently, uh, so many of their players have now come out. They've obviously they've spent huge as well. But if you look at their side, or their, their sort of first eleven, there'd be Victor Valdez, uh, Andres Iniesta, uh, Javier Hernandez, obviously Messi, Busquets. Pedro now scoring bag loads of goals. Jeff Wren came on last night and looked lively. So they, they are really are turning out a lot, a lot of players. And, and we talked about Johnny Evans, of course. He's been given his chance because Gerard Piquet was sold back to Barcelona. And we've seen just how good he has become. Weird thing happened to me last night, uh, which I wasn't expecting. I was kind of watching the Inter-Barcelona game, not particularly partisan one way or another. and found myself quite actively supporting Inter just because of being so profoundly amused by Jose Mourinho. Like, the man is just... He's just a ridiculous parody of himself. It's hilarious. He's hes so keen to have the attention on him. Yes, he is. And I, I know where you come from there, actually. I, I think he, uh, he, he's, he's amusement value. We, we spoke about this before. I just don't know if I'd feel as comfortable if he was actually United's manager. But Absolutely. watching him from the outside, uh, yeah, he's hilarious. And uh, his reaction to the win was uh, as you'd expect, I guess. And, and actually, in, in many ways, uh, Inter were the underdogs. And so it's easy to pull for them. And they got extremely unlucky with the red cards. Uh, some pretty outrageous... 
gamesmanship there. So uh, at one stage, I think I was probably with you there. I was like, uh, you know, it's quite nice if they hang on to this. Um, and and it was, I think that was the moment. It was the red card was the moment that swung it for me. Not just because of Busquets' glorious moment where he peeks out from behind his hands to see if anyone's like paying attention to the fact that he's rolling around in agony. Um, and and then just Mourinho's like slow clap like oh yeah well done yeah good play no fair enough impressive diving there you immoral so and so kind of thing but I mean I, I liked his reaction I mean it, it does come from self confidence on a scale that has not been seen on this planet ever before doesn't it yeah he just smiled and clapped away and whereas of course Ferguson would have gone apoplectic and uh, been trying to murder the fourth official it was it was kind of difficult to watch these uh, Champions League semi-finals because you can't help feeling that there's a tournament there for the taking in this season I totally agree yeah uh, clearly United would have been better than Lyon and that would have been the third Champions League final in a row if we'd just managed to sneak past Bayern I think we were in a good half of the draw there and we really missed an opportunity hopefully next season we'll be back but I don't know or at least in some at some point in the future we'll, we'll be back in that top echelon of European competition uh, Ed it's been a delight to talk to you this week what's your your honest prediction for the scouts against Chelsea and our game against Sunderland uh, pessimistic Ed says that Chelsea will turn over Liverpool and United will go to Sunderland uh, in not great spirits and um, it will be a one-all draw clearly optimistic Ed says Liverpool will get something out of that that game and will go and beat Sunderland I think that's what's going to happen I think it's going to be a draw um, I'm going to be there singing you'll never walk alone I would give you a little blast of it now, but after my attempts at singing Delilah's effect on Stoke's performance, I'm slightly concerned that if I uh, burst into You'll Never Walk Alone, then uh, Liverpool will get beat 7-0. And, and, and rightly so. Uh, rant listeners would demand that you never again sully Rantcast with your presence. All right, see you next week. Good night. <laughs>